Scripture. We love to go deep into the Bible, and we're going to do that today. I have a very strange life. I get invited to all kinds of things, and I often end up in places, and I ask myself, how did I get here? But I got invited to an Oxford University Wake Forest symposium on character in education. It was online, and there's a few of us watching there. And Jonathan Lee Walton, and that's him up there on the screen, led a fantastic talk. He's the chaplain at Wake Forest University. He's the head of their divinity school. Fantastic believer. Never met him before, but uh, gave an amazing talk. And it was kind of sad. Now, let me tell you how it went. He talked about how he went to a school called Morehouse. Morehouse is a historically black university. And it was the University of Martin Luther King. And a lot of the major Christian civil rights people came through that school. And Jonathan was honored for being a distinguished alumnus that night. And they had a big banquet for him because he's a graduate who's done good. And they wanted to throw this big honor his way. And a whole bunch of African-American celebrities showed up. And he was going to be sitting at the table with a guy named Usher, who I think is famous, but I don't know who he is, but I guess he's famous. <laughs> I don't know anything about pop culture at all. And so it, uh, I look at People magazine, and I just draw a blank. I don't know who those people are. But uh, he was all dressed up in his tux, and he was out in the lobby, and this student walks up to him, a student at Morehouse. And he said to Jonathan Walton, he said, do you have a minute before you go in? He said, sure. And it was a nervous-looking young student. He says, could you tell me what I could do? I want to be a pastor someday. I'm a Bible student. What can I do to enhance my brand? And Jonathan looked at him. Jonathan's a big guy. He looks down at him. He says, son, the kingdom of God is not a brand turned around and walked in. And while walking in, he realized the reason this kid came to me is I've spent most of my career enhancing my brand, and I'm going to go have dinner with Usher. So I'm the problem. And the reason he came to me, he felt terrible about it. He says, I, here I, I shut this kid down when I should have felt convicted because I have turned the kingdom of God into a brand. Whoa, what a talk. I'm just thinking this guy's very transparent. And the truth is, that's what's happened to our world right now. We think the way to get ahead is to get more likes, more followers, more money, more get ahead and, and give orders. Don't take orders. Don't serve. Be served. Make it to the top of the table if you can and crawl your way up over the backs of other people if you can do it. So he's very convicted by that. He says, we live in a culture of so much competitiveness throughout the world that we're all competing with everyone in the world out there. And Jen, when you do music, there's musicians all over the world. And you think, how am I ever going to make my mark? I'm ever going to be my own brand. How do I get successful? And how do I make it there? Well, Jesus has some advice for us today. And it's very counterintuitive uh, advice. Jesus is often counterintuitive. He talks in paradoxes. 
People are often so sure how Jesus would answer a certain question, but he would almost always answer any question we had with an answer we wouldn't expect. And he certainly wouldn't affirm any one of our isms. And we would walk away thinking, oh my, I have to rethink this. He would generally reframe the question and say, you're just asking the question wrong. Here's the bigger picture. So we're doing a sermon series on the Ten Commandments of Jesus. Now, these are not the Ten Commandments from Moses and Charlton Heston and the Old Testament. These are, these are the Ten Commandments that Jesus gave us. He gave us more than ten. We picked out ten. In our men's Bible study, we picked out ten that we thought would be interesting to talk about. There are many. And you say, well, why should we talk about Jesus' commandments? Well, he said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And here's a trivia question for you. What was one of his main commands in the Great Commission. The Great Commission is the end of the book of Matthew. Go, therefore, and, and uh, spread the news. And what does he say? Teaching them all that I have commanded. He commands us to teach his commandments. So that's what we're doing. We're doing this because Jesus said so. So if you don't like this sermon series, too bad. Jesus commanded us to do this. So we're going to do it. Commandment four. Tamara had a landmark message last week. Um, number three on forgiveness, probably the strongest teaching I've ever seen on forgiveness. If you were here, especially that illustration of her as a little girl in Sunday school, if you didn't see that, you have to go back and see it. It's that good. And this is commandment four, be a servant of all. So I'm going to bring you right into the Bible here. Then James and John, the fishermen, the sons of Zebedee, came to him saying, teacher, rabbi, if he's the teacher, they're the students. Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, there's a trap question. Will you do for us whatever we ask? He said to them, well, it depends on what you ask me to do. Verse 37, and he said to them, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. They're climbing for the top. They want the branding. They're going after the head of the table. They're shooting for the, the very top. And folks, there's nothing wrong with being the best at something. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be the best. There's nothing wrong with wanting to win a gold medal or to run a corporation or to be a senator. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But the key is the motivation that drives us there. 38, but Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink? Be baptized with a baptism I am baptized with? They said to him, we are able so Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink. And with the baptism I am baptized with you will be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared. And when the other ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John, teacher's pet, you know, that kind of thing, going after him. Uh, yeah, great. You're, you're trying to kind of cozy up to the boss here, aren't you? Trying to get ahead of us. And there's this competition sort of jockeying for position in a sort of spiritual musical chairs. Who's going to be sitting at the top of the table? But Jesus called them to himself. He says, come, okay, team, huddle, pull together here. There's a lot of bad stuff going on, bad juju in the room. You know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. 
But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant, and whoever you desires to be first shall be slave or servant of all. And in antiquity, just want to help you with the word slave and servant. American slavery was, uh, I just wake up Kevin real quick here so he doesn't snore. Kevin. Kevin. <laughs> Kevin, we just wanted to wake you up so you didn't miss the message, but that's, that's okay. The pilgrims had those things they poked people with. You know? <laughs> A feather. <laughs> Yet it shall not be so among you. And he talks about slaves and servants. And slaves and servants are kind of the same thing in the Bible, sort of interchangeable. Slavery as we did it in America wasn't done back then. We were very cruel, uh, much more cruel with slaves than they were in those days. Uh, the slaves were often the educated people who would teach the household. They were just, they had to stay there. They couldn't quit. It was one of those kind of situations. But some slaves were actually intellectuals and leaders and uh, drama writers and musicians and all kinds of things. We treated slaves in America like livestock. It's a whole different thing. Uh, it was a lot more cruel. And so we look back at slavery here. You don't justify slavery in America by looking at what was going on back then. But that's just an aside. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, this is one of Jesus' commandments. That is super, super practical and not just spiritual. Jesus gave what I call life hacks. My wife, right back there by the door, Wendy, is the empress of life hacks. She's always looking for a different way to use a plastic cup. There's got to be a different, there's got to be a way to do that. She's always finding it. She's the life hack. Yeah, empress. She's the best at that stuff. She's always watching videos on how to better do this and better open that and how to whatever. Uh, you, could write a, you could write an advice column on life hacks. You really could. But Jesus was really good on life hacks, too. Some of his advice was just plain practical, had nothing to do with anything spiritual. This one did have something to do with spiritual stuff, but it also has a practical application. Being a servant has a practical benefit. We're going to talk about that. Here are some of his uh, life hacks. He did a whole teaching on don't shoot for the top seat in the table. Why? Because you'll get embarrassed if they send you back down. Wait till they call you up. That's just good advice to young men, which he's giving at the time. That just it, A couple times I've done that in life. I've shot for the, the top seat in the table, and it's been embarrassing when they say that seat's for somebody else. Settle out of court on the way to court. I mean, that's just plain practical advice. That doesn't get you saved. But he says, hey, on the way to court, make peace with your adversaries. So you don't have to go to jail and pay. settle out of court. Just plain practical stuff. These are life hacks from Jesus. Don't toot your own horn. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Who here loves it when people toot their own horn? It's, it's not attractive, and he's telling his young students, don't be unattractive. Don't be tooting your own horn. Be pragmatic with gray area stuff. He did one parable which is just troubles people. Make friends with unrighteous mammon. Uh, there's some gray areas out there, ethically, and in those gray areas, at least make some good out of them. You may not be able to sort it out ethically, but make some good out of some dicey situations. Who here has been in an ethical gray area? We all have been there. And if you're in one of those areas, try to at least make some good out of it, because you often can't get to black and white in certain ethical situations. Don't worry about tomorrow. Focus on today. 
Who thinks that would be good life advice even if there weren't a God? Yes, that would be good life advice even if there weren't a God. This It makes sense to focus on the day you're in and not to get all caught up in what's going to happen tomorrow. Do you see where Jesus was just like Wendy? Life hacks. Enjoy the beauty of nature. Consider, consider the lilies of the field. They neither toil nor spin, yet Solomon was not arrayed as these. It's Birds are singing outside. How cool is that? They're accompanying the worship service. I mean, we're, we're li- here in California. We've got the doors wide open. We don't have to worry about bugs. It's beautiful out here. It's two hours to the desert. It's two hours to the mountain. It's 10 minutes to the beach, and it's beautiful out here. Enjoy outdoors and just enjoy the beauty of nature. Folks, there's some spiritual content to that, but the truth is it's just plain good advice. Jesus was really smart. Aside from being the savior of the world, he was really smart. He was a clever guy. He was able to give us some stuff that really does make sense. Worrying about provision doesn't produce provision. Don't worry about where you're going to get things. Provision is produced in other ways. Who says, I finally got rich, but what really got me there was the worry? Nobody. Nobody ever says that. Worrying about provision just chases provision away. It just does. We have to find other ways to get to Provision. So we're going to talk about servanthood in three areas, in the marketplace, in the family, and in the church. So in the marketplace, by family, I mean those people who are like family to you, the people that they could be co-workers, they could be best friends, they could be blood family, it could be whatever, but the people that you do life with. And then there's the church, because the church is the bride of Christ, and service is what we do here. In fact, we practice service so we can be successful in the world. First, we're going to start with the marketplace. This is just plain good advice to be a servant because being a servant brings abundance in the marketplace. People who serve their customers, people who serve their company and the goals of the company get promotions. They move up. If you're an employer, and some of you are, you are going to want to employ people who want to serve the customer. I was out at, uh, at a place called NTS this week with some students from Concordia. I work at Concordia, and we, we bring the students to different places to get them placed. NTS is so cool. They showed us the centrifuge where they put the Mars lander on it, and they spun it around, huge centrifuge. They spun it around and brought it up to 36 Gs to see what would break first, which is one of the reasons the Mars rover is working right now, because they could find out what, what went wrong. So much fun up there. And I said, what kind of people do you guys want from Concordia? Because they're looking for engineers. And the guys running the place said, you know, uh, they don't have to be great engineers. That would surprise most people. We want people who can work with the customer, who will treat the customer well, who will work in teams because we do all teamwork here. Somebody who can speak well, somebody who can do technical writing that the customers can understand. People who show up on time and work hard. That's what they're looking for. They're looking for what? People with servanthood. Servanthood will bring abundance. If you're looking to go to a job, to what can I get out of it rather than what can I give to it? Whenever I've gone into any interview, I always say, what do you guys need here and how can I help you? That's how I started. Not, do I fit the job? What isn't getting done here and how can I help you? That gets me so many different contracts. It's the stuff I'm doing right now. It's all because I'm helping people do what they can't find someone to do. I don't know anything about engineering, but it's working just fine. 
I'm helping translate the book of Daniel for this new Bible translation because I'm able to do something that nobody knows what to do with. And I said, how can I help you? You want to do well in a job interview or, or landing a customer, a contractor, a client. That's the best question to ask. What do, what do you need help with? Your husband does doors. He's like, Tom Breeze is like the world expert on doors in big projects. I mean, like big projects. And he helps people do a better job of placement of doors and uh, keeping the wrong people out and letting the right people in. You know, that's you, it's important. It's really important. And he's serving people. And so when we serve people, good things happen. It leads to abundance. And a lot of the super rich people in this world got there by adding a lot of value to people's lives. I am carrying right now in my pocket, right here, something that in the 90s, would have filled half of a room. All the different things here, from flashlights to tape recorders to everything else, to movie cameras, the whole deal is right in here. Steve Jobs died a very rich man. Why? Because he added a ton of value. You can stick this on your dashboard, and it'll tell you how to get somewhere around the traffic. That helps a lot in California. Saved us all a lot of time. Elon Musk launches rockets for a fraction of the price of everyone else in the world and reuses them for goodness sake. These things come back and they look like a like a like a charred marshmallow from a weenie roast or whatever and and, and he paints them back up and sends them back up and he keeps doing this and some of them blow up pretty spectacularly. But he he does this stuff and he was told on Twitter, you're now the richest man in the world. And he tweeted back, that's odd. Back to work. He's just out there trying to make things better. And he's not doing it to, it, it's service brings you somewhere. Service will bring you abundance in the marketplace. And Jesus wants us to have abundance. Jesus wants us to have more than we need so that we can give to others, so that we can be generous, so that we have enough resources to make things go. So that's the marketplace. We're going to move on to family and friends, serving our family, serving our friends. This is more complicated because these are permanent relationships. Customers, clients often aren't permanent. You might even just see them once. But these are people you go the distance with. These are long-term relationships. And how do we serve them? I do a ton of pre-marriage counseling with Wendy because she's there to give them the life hacks. So we... You know, we we, we work it out that way. And uh, we, we do pre-marriage counseling, and we take it very seriously. And when we do it, I use a book called His Needs, Her Needs. And I won't go into it, but knowing your spouse's basic needs and getting a B or C and meeting them will lead you to a 50-year marriage. That's just as simple as it gets. If you stop meeting those basic needs for each other, you're in trouble. What's the first thing you need to do? You need to know what those needs are. And you need to accept the fact that they're probably not the same needs you have. And to meet those needs is the essential key to marriages working, serving one another in those ways where we need to be served. Uh, I like my top need in marriage is, is that Wendy be a fun date and that she come with me and go on adventures, which she's more than willing to do. I, just, I like to go travel, hike, go see things, uh, uh, explore things, and, and she indulges that greatly. 
and never says no, just comes along. That's my big marital need. I won't tell you what hers is. We'll just move on. <laughs> you can ask her. Serv- <laughs> serving our families. So serving our families is meeting their basic needs. And sometimes with kids, with brothers and sisters, and with parents, it's complicated. Because sometimes what they want from you isn't what's good for them. Serving your kids doesn't mean giving them chocolate cake for breakfast every morning. Serving your kids might mean saying no to them two-thirds of the time. Serving our parents sometimes can get very complicated as they get older. A lot of us have been through that. And we have to have we have to serve them, love them, or we'll talk about that next week. Next week will be the command provide for your parents, which is something we like to ignore. But serving our parents out of faithfulness, but also having some boundaries around that. Because sometimes parents, when they get older, can become like toddlers. And you have to, it, it can happen. It, it can happen. And you have, to, you have to treat them for what's best for them and not necessarily what they want right now. And that can be very challenging. So in families, it can be complex because you have complex relationships. For marriages and friendships, know what your partner's needs are and try to make an effort to meet them. For those other relationships, do what you can to do what's really best for that person and not necessarily what they're asking for. So we look at the marketplace. We look at family and friendships. And uh, the third one we're going to do is church. And we have some opportunities right here at the well to serve. And so I'm going to use this message as an unabashed plea for volunteers. You've got to throw it in here on this one. I mean, you can't miss it. We need some people to help with the welcome table. Things are picking up again. Uh, just a, couple, a month or two ago, we only had a tiny handful of people back in church. We're about at half, about half uh, strength right now, but pretty soon we'll be at full strength. And we're going to need people to welcome people. And that is helping to serve. And not just going to church. I hate the phrase, I quit going to that church because I wasn't getting fed. And I'm thinking, you're just a consumer. Why aren't you there to also to serve? Folks, we've got some young adults here who are always the first ones here and the last ones to leave. They put the signs out. They set things up. They set up the cameras and do all kinds of stuff. And they'll be here when there's only a handful of people here. Who thinks that I appreciate those people? A lot. And we all should. And that's the kind of service that really gets things going. And we need everyone. In fact, you're going to like this church better if you do that. You're going to enjoy that. So welcome table is one place. We could use a team of welcome table people. Alpha group leaders. Alan, you want to wave back there? Alan uh, is our alpha coordinator. And Dwayne over here started alpha. You helped start off at, uh, at charity, didn't you, back, at, back in the day? We've got a fantastic Alpha course. The last one we just finished had eight tables, eight groups, from coast to coast, United States and Canada, all the way down to Costa Rica. It was so much fun. We're starting on June the 2nd. We need some group leaders. And that's a way of serving. And believe me, you will be blessed. Wendy just got a package from Carla Shaner yesterday. Uh, She met on Alpha, lives up in Alberta. And we've met some wonderful, we've met the most wonderful people from charity. What a I always watch your church stuff whenever I can to steal sermon ideas occasionally. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's, I, I feel like I grew up in that church. It's just such a wonderful place, and they've been so good to us. 
And it's just, just a neat, neat thing. So we've got a sister church in North Dakota, all because of Alpha. And Alpha is a wonderful course to meet people. You're going to make friends all over North America. You're going to laugh at something called Cuddle Duds, and I won't tell you what that's about. But uh, it's just lots of funny inside jokes and things we've done. It's been really, really fun. We need an Instagram evangelist, somebody who likes to be on social media and somebody who will take pictures of what we're doing here and post them. Instagram is one of the main ways to reach young people. And if you like taking pictures and post them, do that for us. We could use an Instagram evangelist, somebody. We've got an Instagram account, but it's all my teaching and it's always my face. I'd love to see your faces on there. It would be really cool. Treasurer assistant, a counter captain. Uh, Deanna Berger works really, really hard at a lot of things. She's a single mom, has a lot on her plate. Beautiful person, uh, but needs some help. And uh, somebody who could help her with accounting, somebody that could help her with depositing, somebody that could, we could write your name in at the bank so you could be a, a, a person who could work there or could actually use the, the banking services we have and be in charge of counting the offering. That would be wonderful. So if you're an introvert, that'd be a great job. Extrovert, you can work on the table out there. See, we cover all the bases. A secretary assistant. Kathy over here is our parish secretary. Somebody to help archive, to help put stuff together, to put in a usable form because that role changes every couple of years and we want to be able to hand off to someone else something that makes sense. Plus, we don't have a church office. And stuff gets scattered throughout the congregation. We were scrambling for documents a while back. Like, Who's got this? Who's got that? Somebody can help Kathy do that. And they are moving to Idaho soon. They just showed us pictures of their house. And I doubt she wants to do it from there. So it would be, <laughs> it, it would be, be nice to have somebody train with her and then eventually become the secretary and then get another person to help with that. That'd be super. Uh, somebody to be an ambassador to our Methodist hosts, someone who would connect with them on a regular basis, maybe go to their board meetings. They're our landlords. It's important to get along well with them. We're doing a work party on the 5th of June, Saturday at 9 o'clock. I just heard about it 10 minutes ago. And uh, to coordinate those kind of things so we can smoothly work together and uh, do those kind of things and work on projects around the, the, the property. Um, those of you who are handy, those of you who like tools, those of you who like doing those kind of things, uh, jump right in. We could use someone to be in charge of that. A venue scout. This is our fifth venue. I would love to stay here, but you never know. Uh, someone just casually to be looking around for possible venues for the church. What if we grew a lot and couldn't fit in here? What if we needed to go somewhere else because whatever the Methodists had to do? Uh, it's a good idea just to be looking on the lookout for venues and be watching for that. Somebody who's good at hunting and snooping and all that stuff. Somebody to shepherd our prayer wall. We have a prayer wall on our Facebook group. And someone to shepherd that and make sure that when people put prayer stuff out there, that it gets answered and looked at and people get attended to. Lots of people use the prayer wall. A neighborhood shepherd or evangelist, someone to knock on doors here in the area and connect with the people that are right here. God wants us to reach the people in this neighborhood. That's why he put us in this neighborhood. Imagine that. Uh, these are the people who can walk here, for goodness sake. Let's reach them. Church planters and well diggers. That's for those of you watching on TV, and you think you're going to get let off the hook because you can't do these things because you're not here. But you could do this one. You can start a ministry in your place. You can start a 
house church in your home, a Bible study, an alpha group. Uh, every Sunday afternoon, we meet as the well diggers. It's called teacher training, and we teach people how to do stuff. Today, we're going to talk about how to preside at a funeral. Last week is how to preside at a wedding, how to get things going. So those of you watching remotely, that might be you. And uh, the last, no, the second to last one, His Nesting Place, Robin's Nest Ambassador. These are our two charities and somebody to connect well with them and to show up once in a while to make friends with the people working there. These are both places uh, that take care of people who are in big trouble. And to be able to, uh, if you have a heart for that kind of thing, let us know. And the last one is, yes, we will be returning to food service and hospitality. Kevin, you asked about that. Kevin, you said, when are we going to have food again? And that's a good question. Uh, as soon as we can, we'd like to start doing food. Who thinks it's more fun to go to church if there's food and coffee? It's just absolutely. Our, our, our children attendance tends to multiply. John just raised both hands in the back. John is a bachelor, so if some of you want to feed him, invite him over. He would like that uh, very much. Food service, hospitality. Now, if any of those things ring your bell, here is the person to talk to. Linda Hines is our head elder, so she's in charge of volunteers. And when she, does, when she doesn't get volunteers, she ends up doing these things. And that's not good. So uh, talk with Linda. This is her email address, lindahines0330 at hotmail.com. And she would love to get you set up. So we've got the marketplace. My pleasure. The marketplace, we've got our family and friends, and now we've got the church. Service. Service makes us happy, gives us joy. Here's some practicalities. Servanthood. One, don't be a grumpy servant. Uh, most churches have grumpy servants. Uh, and you've seen them before. The church lady who's angry. I have to do this stuff all the time. Nobody's helping. You know, one of those people. And, and uh, we don't want grumpy helpers. Being a grumpy servant is not attractive, and they tend to hang out in churches. So just so you know, that's just, just how that works. So if, if you're a grumpy servant out there watching on TV, do not show up. Go to the Methodist church. Just, uh, no, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Just, just kidding, Methodist. Don't be a doormat. Don't just do what people say. Sometimes you have to say no. But if you're saying no all the time and never serving, then you need to get that into balance. Serve in your gift area. But occasionally, serve out of your gift area. I've learned a lot of stuff serving outside of my gift area. Next thing you know, I learn something new. And I get stretched. And I, get, uh, I, I learn a whole bunch of things if I volunteer for something I'm not that good at. Next one. Don't avoid the resultant benefits. Don't feel guilty about the fact that you're going to feel great volunteering. You're going to be happier. You'll probably be wealthier. You're going to have better relationships in your family and a whole bunch of stuff. Folks, the best funerals I ever do are for servants. Doing a servant funeral? There's no room for me to talk because everybody wants to get up and talk about, if you're from North Dakota and California, we don't really have funerals, we have roasts. People come up and they just and they just keep talking about people over and over and over and they make jokes and stuff, but they they do they do give testimonies about what these people did for them. And it is fantastic. And those people live great lives. They live the kind of lives we would want to live. People 
don't you want a, I know you'll be dead then, but <laughs> don't you want a funeral where everybody comes up and, and makes you happy? Kathy. Mike's celebration of life. Mike's celebration of life was like that. Yeah, four hours. Oh my goodness. And that's that's how that's what I want at my funeral. I I want to get there and we're not going to get there without servanthood. And you're not going to get there without relationships in your family and servanthood. You're not going to get there with without doing this. So if you're not doing it, get off the dime. And don't be ashamed to enjoy the benefits from it. Because the benefits will be there. You're going to be happier. You're going to your life is going to go better. You're going to have more money. You're going to have abundance. That's why Jesus said, be a servant. It's the road to greatness. He doesn't say it's the road to humility. He doesn't say it's the road down into the pit. He says servanthood. is the, It's the on-ramp to greatness. It's the on-ramp to the highway of, of significance. It's servanthood. It's not going after your branding. Next one, ask the Lord for love for those whom you serve. It's easier to serve people we love. And to ask for love for the people that we're serving is a real key to making that go. Because sometimes, especially in families, it can be challenging to serve challenging family members. And if you don't have challenging family members, we'll send you some. We've, I've got a bunch of them, and I'm sure you probably do too. Some of them... Those of you family members of mine that are watching on TV, you're not one of those people. I'm sure you're not. So just uh, <laughs> the Bible says, go go the second mile. If a soldier asks you to carry something for a mile, go the second mile. People, going the second mile is cool. It feels awesome. It really does. It feels awesome. And plus, you make a big impression on the person you just helped. When people go the second mile for you, what does your estimation of them go up? It just goes way up. You think this person is awesome. And then you find ways to bless them if you can, or bless someone else and pay it forward. There's ways of doing that. Jesus says, the Bible says, go the second mile. And the last one is volunteering means taking responsibility for something. Taking responsibility and gratitude. And we talked about gratitude when I was praying at the end of Jen's thing. Those two things are what spiritually and psychologically get our life on track. If you are taking responsibility for things, people are going to give you authority. I don't have enough authority over my life. My life's living me. I, I, I can't make decisions. People telling me what to do. You know why? Because you're never volunteering. If you were volunteering, you would be taking responsibility. If you take responsibility, people give you authority. Kim back here takes responsibility for worship. Anything she asks me for, I give her. Why? Because she shows up and does stuff. She takes charge. Oh, she's, she's cracking her knuckles now. <laughs> Sabbatical in Tahiti. She's <laughs> no, but seriously, she takes responsibility. She, and for someone who takes responsibility, if she wants to move the worship service around, whatever she wants to do, she's got the authority to do that. Why? Because she's in charge and she doesn't, she doesn't foist the responsibility on someone else. That's what people do who volunteer for things. Take responsibility. Mark 9, 33 through 35. This keeps going on in Mark. So it happens in Mark 9, happens in Mark 10. When they came to Capernaum, when he was in the house, he asked, what were you arguing about on the road? 
But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. This is an ongoing problem with Jesus' disciples. Folks, doesn't it make you happy that Jesus' disciples were not the sharpest crayons out of the box? I mean, is it, if these, if he trusted these people to change the world, he could probably tr- trust us too. Next one, sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, he keeps calling them in, huddle time, guys. Let's, you know, us, let's, let's talk about this. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. The servant servanthood is the royal road to authority, to joy, to abundance, to great relationships, to a thriving church. It's, it's the royal road to the good stuff in life. Who doesn't want good stuff in life? Who doesn't want a good funeral? I mean, I always joked with people, I always say, be nice to me, I might be preaching your funeral. So anyways, it's, uh, but we want a good funeral, not because of what the pastor's going to say, but what everyone else is going to say. And that's a life worth living. That's a life well lived. Well, next week, we're going to talk about providing for your parents. Another command in the Bible we tend to skateboard over. It's a weird passage, and the word is korban. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about providing for parents. It fits for Mother's Day, don't you think? Fitting for Mother's Day. We'll talk about that next week. Bring your moms. They'll be happy you did. Buy them a flower on the way, whatever it is. We want to be grateful for all of our mothers. Uh, Mother's Day isn't just to honor mothers. It's for all of us to honor our mothers or people who will like mothers to us. And so we all need to take part in Mother's Day, whether we're actually mothers or not. Well, true greatness. I want to close. I told you I'd start with the story with uh, Jonathan Walton, the little guy that walked up to him and asked about branding. And I also want to talk about something happened to us last night. I want to talk about Scott, Alex, and Hortensia. Last night, uh, here's what I do for those of you who don't know me. I do a, a work day on Thursday, and then Wendy and I, when I'm done with the work for the day, we take off and we go to our place in the desert. We have a trailer in the desert. We love to hike. We call it our happy place. We're there on Friday. We take a Sabbath every Friday and don't work. I put my phone away on Fridays. And it's beautiful. It's helped my prayer life. It's helped our relationship, everything else. I get up on Saturday morning, and I finish the sermon. I start the sermon on Monday with our men's group. And we go over the passage for the next week. And it is fantastic. It's the best Bible study I've ever been a part of. And so we look at this whole thing on Monday morning. And I think about it, pray about it all week, and Saturday morning I finish it. So I finished the sermon, and I said to myself, Lord, I've got a message here, but I don't really have a good story. I don't really have a good story, Lord. He says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I'll take care of that. And I said, you sure? Because I don't want to end just by saying, you know, true greatness is servanthood. I want to have a story. And he says, that'll come. So Wendy and I are about to drive home, which we drive home on Saturday after I finish a bunch of stuff, a bunch of work I do remotely. And we drive home Saturday afternoons. We drive back from the desert and we go through some really uninhabited places. Not a good place for your car to break down. So we're driving over the mountains and Waze, our little GPS thing, said, turn left and go through Valley City. That's not the shortest way, but we've learned to trust ways, because if we don't, we get stuck in some traffic or some horrible thing. 
And those of you not from California, we've got capital T traffic out here that you yeah. can't even dream of. So we decided, okay, we'll go through Valley City. That's weird. Why are we going through Valley City? Oh, we're going to end up in Escondido. Escondido, that's out of the way. That's weird. We got to Escondido. And it told us to turn off onto a residential street. We're, I checked it again. Aren't we supposed to go to Huntington Beach? No. Go off on a residential street. And then the serpentine belt shredded, which means you lose power to your power steering. You lose everything. Everything stops. You can't steer or anything. It's just, and, and the, the, the coolant starts to boil over because there's no fan belt going. And we happen to be in a very safe place with lots of room to tow. There we were. And we're thinking, oh, no, what are we going to do now? Because we just happened to have the car blow up right when all of the mechanic shops close on a Saturday. And they're closed till Monday. And we're, in a ho we're an hour and a half from home. So how are we going to do this? Wendy says, should you call Tamara? I said, no, I don't want to scare her yet. Let's wait till, uh, let's wait till we know for sure. <laughs> I wanted to spare you from that, Tamara, but I guess it got out. But anyways, I'm, I'm saying, what are we going to do? How are we going to get home? Called my son, and to his credit, he said he would come pick us up. But then a guy named Scott showed up, AAA. Now, when AAA says they'll be there in 45 minutes, they're usually there in 50. He was there in 10 minutes. Boom, just showed up. Whoa, where'd you come from? And Scott uh, looks at the whole thing, and I said, can you bring us to a, at least to a, a mechanic, and we can throw the key in a slot and leave a note, and they can fix it. We'll come back on Monday, and we'll figure out a way to get home. Maybe our son will come pick us up or something. He says, no, I know a guy. And well, he knew a guy named Alex. And Alex works on cars all day because I think, I think he might live in his shop. I'm not sure. But he had a barbecue up front, the whole thing. And so we walk up, and the fr friendliest people were in there with Scott in the, in the tow truck. And Scott, uh, Wendy asked, where do you live? He says, I live in Ramona. And he says, you ever been to the Ramona uh, rodeo? He says, I've been in the Ramona rodeo. I've done you know, these events and all this stuff, and he's talking to us about this great guy. He's just happy to see us. And he's trying, making it kind of fun. I thought, this, what a fun guy to meet. And he's talking about this and talking about that, and he's just being hyper-pleasant. And we show up at Alex's garage, which was a hole-in-the-wall place in an industrial park, and it's open. And Alex is smiling. And Wendy's, Wendy asks him, do you think? Oh, yeah, we'll get you back on the road. No problem. There was a pulley that was melted, a bunch of stuff. He said, where are you going to get parts? I got guys. We'll find something. And it's dinner time, and when I, I hate to share family secrets, but when it's dinner time, Wendy needs to eat. There's people eat. A, 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 I can go a day. I can go a day, but Wendy likes to eat on time. And so, and so she's, how are we going to eat? Hortensia, who is this demure, small Mexican-American mom, who's Alex's mom, is there because she cooks for them while they're there. And they know of a great Mexican place a few blocks away. So we'll walk there. Oh, no, Hortensia says. We'll drive you there. 
And Alex says, no, I'll drive them. No, Hortense says, I'll drive them. And, he, and they're, they're arguing over who's going to drive us to dinner. And so Alex goes off and gets the part from his guys. And, uh, and I, we go off to, to eat at this, this little Mexican grocery store that had burritos the size of a football. I, I can eat more than any of you, and I ate half of it and had to put it away. I had half of it for breakfast this morning, but still, it's massive burritos. And those people were super friendly. And then we get back, and we're sitting in the car eating our burritos while Scott is helping Alex fix the car. And we're looking at them, the hood's up. We're just kind of looking around, and, and Scott says, this is weird. I usually get calls right away, but I'll just – and they were having a great time. They have a lot of fun with each other. They like each other and all this stuff, and they're talking with us. And uh, finally, uh, Alex says, uh, turn her on. As I turn it on, no sound from the engine. He says, any, any engine lights? Nope. Good, you're good to go. Then he charged us a ridiculously low rate. Folks, he did not charge us a hunting to beach rate. We'll put it, put it that way. I felt guilty, so I gave him more money. And I just thought, and we went away, and I said to Wendy, I am so glad our car broke down. This was really fun. <laughs> it was a great evening. One of the best evenings we've had in a long time. We were just driving home with smiles on our faces. Why? Because we met three servants. And the three of them, we got a little window of their life. They are very happy people. Happy to be with you. Happy to be with each other. They're going to have big funerals. I guarantee you. If you ever want to fix your car, we'll let you know about Alex. He'll, he'll set you up. It's a, it's a great situation. But here's what I'm saying, folks. Jesus gives us these commands so that we will thrive. Not because he's some legalist or some, some hallway monitor who's going to catch us if we slip up. He gives us these things so that we will thrive. I'm going to invite the worship team up. And I'd like us all to think about ways that we can serve in the marketplace, family and friends, with um, in the church. And you don't have to serve in the church only if you love Jesus. So just think about that. Just, uh, it's one of those things. But uh, it's a real blessing to be a servant. And what I aspire to do is I aspire to be like Scott and Alex and Hortensia. Remember when God said, I'll give you a story. Isn't that interesting how we got led off the path down a little road and happened to be led to all this stuff? Folks, the Lord loves us enough to give us everything we need to learn what we need to know. But we have to listen to him first. We have to listen. To Bill keeps mentioning that. Before you serve, you got to listen to what the Lord really wants you to do. That was part of the Bible study this morning. Wendy. Imagine losing your steering on the five. I'm stronger than Wendy, so I could move the steering wheel, but it was hard. It was hard to do. Hard to do. But the Lord gives us what we need, folks. I needed to learn a lesson on servanthood, and I needed to find three role models I can live up to. And the Lord gave me three incredible role models. Lord, thank you for Scott, Alex, and Hortensia. Amen. All God's people said? Amen. Amen.
your mercy never fails me all my days. I've been held in your hands from the moment that I wake up until I lay my head. I will sing of the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness Love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest nights. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. I have lived in the goodness of God And all my life you have been faithful All my life you have been so, so good Every breath that I am able I will sing of the goodness of God Your goodness is running after It's running after me Your goodness is running after It's running after me With my life laid down Surrender now I give you everything your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything. Your goodness is running after, running after me. And all my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am made. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing of the goodness of God. Let's all stand to receive a blessing. 
you'd like to, I'd just like to invite you to open up your hands and just show the Lord you want to receive all that he's got for you. And Lord, we want to close today just uh, by trusting in your goodness. Uh, Jesus taught us this stuff about servanthood because he wanted us to thrive. He wanted to share his goodness with us. We give you thanks, Lord, that uh, your son said, I am among you as one who serves. The Gospel of Luke. And Lord, I pray that all of us would just take that on-ramp into that highway of joy, the highway of servanthood, the highway of a rich life, a full life. And Lord, we pray a blessing on each and every person here, Lord. Uh, pray a blessing on the new people here for the very first time. We believe the Lord has led them here. I see Linnea has brought some people with her today, and we want to bless them. Lord, I just give you thanks for, I want to give you thanks again for the servants in this church, Lord, especially the young people and Linda who come early and leave late. And Lord, they lead this church in many ways. I give you thanks for that service, Lord. I give you thanks, Lord, for, I can't hit all the names, Lord, but... For Tamara and Judy and their partnership in putting together these, these Bible teachings and the booklets that come with that, Lord, it's a huge job. And so many people are blessed by getting into your word every day. Give you thanks, Lord, for the servants up here on the on the on the stage here, Lord. Uh, they just do this because they love to praise you and love to uh, bring us along. And you're gonna bless them for that. Lord, we give you thanks for each and every each and every person here, Lord. Bless us with your goodness, Lord. You want the best for each of us, just like any parent would want the best for his or her kids. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a wonderful week. Yay. We'll see you next week. Next week is Mother's Day. So <laughs> it can be painful for some people, but let's celebrate our mothers as best we can.